Okay, so and welcome back to our continuing series of Shurim of Daf Yomi. We are in Masachet Yevamot, the second parak. We're now on Mishnah Bet, which is on Yurchet Ambet. And over the course of the Shir, we will cover this Mishnah and the entire attendance of Marah to the next Mishnah, Daf Chaf Amuraw. Uh, we're picking up from the Sugya of Eshrachim This is a different case than the one we had in the first Mishnah. Two brothers, one of them died, the second one did evil. Then a brother was born. The brother was born after the second brother did evil, who mate, and then the first second brother dies. The wife number one, who had Yibum with, with uh, brother number two, nonetheless goes free. There is no Yibum whatsoever because she is relative to, to brother number three. And the second wife, meaning the one who was never married to number one, is Yotze anyways because she is Tzarat. Now, let's say that, and we go back to the same options that we had in the first Mishnah, let's say that the second brother only did Ma'amar. So then if the second brother only did Ma'amar, didn't do Yibum, then of course the first one is not going to be able to marry the third brother. But the second one has some sort of a Zika, and she has to do Chalitza, but she may not do Yibum, because the Ma'amar is strong enough to bring her in. This we saw in the previous Mishnah. Over here we get Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is referring to the previous case, where there was full Yibum. He says, in the case where the brother was born after Brother number three was born after brother number two did full Yibum, and we saw this earlier at the Parak. Then, Both wives are fully available for Yibum or Chalitza, and he only has to do one of them. In other words, that wife number one, now by dint of having had Yibum with brother number two, is fully brother number two's wife, is no longer in any way connected to brother number one. And therefore, since brother number three and brother number two lived in the world at the same time, there is no more eshtachiv shalohaya ba'olamo. Chachamim disagree and say that because um, wife number one is still, in a sense, connected to husband number one, brother number one, as a result, uh, she still carries the stigma of eshtachiv shalohaya ba'olamo relative, or the limitation of eshtachiv shalohaya ba'olamo relative to brother number three, and therefore can never do yibo. Good. Now, Amar Rabbi makes a claim that Rabbi Shimon disagreed even about the first case, meaning even about a case where brother number one died, then brother number three was born, then brother number two did Yibum, even though when brother number three was born, he was born into a world where uh, where uh, the wife was an Eshtachim Shalai Balamo. Nonetheless, after brother number two marries her, that's already gone. And um, and we argued in the previous figure that that was due to Zika. Good. Now, Mimai, why does Rabbi Yeshaya say that Rabbi Shimon disagreed about the first, which, of course, leaves a gaping problem, which is why did Rabbi Shimon speak up in the first Mishnah? He says, Because our Mishnah, if you think about it, from Chachamim is an extra case. First half of our Mishnah, on who, for whose purpose is it being taught? If you think it's just for the Rabbanon, who have the, the mainstream position, 
In a case where where the brother number two did Yibum, and then um, and then uh, brother number three was born, which means he was born into a world in which she was already married to brother number two. Nonetheless, Asriya Rabban and the Rabbanon say no good. No lad v'chakach Yibum. Certainly, a case where he was born before brother number two did Yibum. Right, Mibaya. You don't need to tell me in a case like that that it's no good. Meaning that the first Mishnah becomes patently obvious in light of this Mishnah. Right? El Allah of Shimon. It must be that our Mishnah is being taught for the purposes of showing Rabbi Shimon's position. So therefore, the ratio was taught to show you how strong Rabbi Shimon, how far he'll take his position, that even if mate v'chakach yibem, sorry, nolad v'chakach yibem, Nonetheless, meaning brother number three was born, then brother number two did evil, then brother number two died, Rabbi Shimon would still say that brother number three can marry her, and and the Seifu was taught to show you how far the Rabbanan will go, which is to say that even if the um, Yibum happened and then brother number three was born, nonetheless, he's still not allowed to marry. Good. Really, Rabbi Shimon should have spoke up in the Reisha. Ella, not the Lord Rabbanon, the Messiah describes this something as a conversation. Rabbi Shimon waited until the Rabbanon finished their entire presentation, meaning Mishnah Aleph, Mishnah Bet. Then he disagreed. Good, so um, it's not a bad presentation. Ella, what? That means that Rabbi Shimon doesn't seem to have a category of And evidently, that's something that we all agree does exist in some way. So the Gemara then asks, what is Eishrachim Shalei Balamo according to Rabbi Shimon? Eishrachim Shalei Balamo, Rabbi Shimon, Heichem Ishkach So the answer is, Bechad Acha. That's an easy one. There's only one brother. He died. And uh, his mother was pregnant at the time. And, uh, or his father's wife was pregnant at the time. And after he died, a brother was born. That's an easy one. Umeit. Alright? Venolad Lo Ach. Now, the reason this is a little bit difficult is because it seems to be quite straightforward that if a man dies without any living brothers, then the wife obviously goes free. There's no reason to think that if uh, his uh, father's wife is pregnant at the time, we're going to sit around and wait to see what she's going to give birth to, and if it turns out it's a boy, then it has to yibum him, because uh, there would be no, nothing to tie her down. So that's why the Gemara comes up with the second case. Inami betray velo yibim velo mit. Now, you have brothers number one, two, and three, Brother number one dies, and now you have brothers number two and three, and brother number two, sorry, brother, you have brothers number one and two. Brothers one, brother one dies, brother two does absolutely nothing. He doesn't do evil, he doesn't die, and then brother number three is born. Brother number three, of course, has a relationship with this woman of Eshtachiv Shaloi Abolamo. Good. Now, let's take a look at Rabbi Shimon's position. Our understanding, unlike Rabbi Shai, is that Rishimon only disagrees about the second case, which is Yibem v'charkach nolad. So, so that case, I understand, ki ashkacha bater ashkacha. When he was born into the world, he was born into a world where she was already married to the brother number two, and he found her behetim. So why is it that Rabbi Shimon would say, according to Rabbi Shai, that if the brother number three was born, and then brother number two, Yibum, Nonetheless, she would not be Ishtachiv Shalai Balamo. It doesn't make sense. When he was born, she was still a Shemer Yavan. The answer is Kesavar Yezika, Vizika Kiknusa. 
It must be that Rabbi Shimon holds the age of Zika. We discussed that at length in the previous podcast. And as such, the minute that brother number one dies, she's already quasi-married to brother number two. Which means that even if at that point, before the brother number two did anything, brother number three was born, still he's born into a world in which he's already sort of married to number two. So if Yosef challenges follows, Hashta Zika Umamar. Yosef says, How can you argue that? How could you possibly say, and this is a challenge to Rabbi Shaya, how could you possibly say that Rabbi Shimon would consider Zika alone to make her married? So married that if a brother is born after she falls, that brother is considered only connected to brother number two, to whom she fell, even though he didn't do anything yet. Um, that, that doesn't make sense. And his reason for that is because Rabbi Shimon himself says, Zika plus Mahamar still leaves us in doubt as to whether she's married, so Zika alone certainly wouldn't be enough. Right? Zika l'chudami bayit, mahi, what's the case? No, we have the following mission. She's got three brothers, they're married to three women, have no relationship to each other, not sisters. So now brother number one died. Brother number two does ma'amar on wife number one. Umate. And then brother number two dies. They do chalitza to brother number three. He has to do chalitza on both of them. But he can't not tend to yibo. Why? How does our passage start? Passage number one. Uh, if one of the brother dies, the avam shall have beer with her. Meaning, he can only do Yibum with somebody who has the Zika of one brother, not of two. And here, brother number three is coming sort of to deal with brother number one's household and brother number two's household. Brother number two did Ma'amar. So it's Zika plus Ma'amar, and we're still not sure that she's totally married to number two, such that she's disconnected from number one. And Rabbi Shimon, that's Chacham. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, you have to take care of both of them. But you can give Yibum to either one and Chalitza to the other one. And um, and the reason for that is um, that Yivumi Tavayhu lo Tadilma Yesh Zika. Right? He can't do Yibum on both of them because we may accept Zika, may accept Zika as being like marriage, which means then the wife number one is really connected to brother number two, as is wife number two, and then he's doing Yibum on two wives of the same brother. That we cannot do. To do Yibum on one, and then the other one is absolutely free to go. Lo, we can't do that. Now we can't do either, because maybe ain't Zika. And so if he does uh, uh, Yibum, for instance, on wife number two, wife number one, if we say ain't Zika, the first brother's household still hasn't been taken care of. So she can't go free. Right? Um, so, in other words, Alma, So we see that Rabbi Shimon has a safek whether Zika plus Ma'amar totally uproots her connection to the first husband and puts her into the second household, or maybe it doesn't. And therefore he says you have to deal with both of them, but you could do Yibum on either one and Chalitza on the other one. Now, you're going to try to argue that really Midoraita, Rabbi Shimon would say, you could do Yibum on one and the other one would be free because they're both connected to brother number two only because Zika alone is enough, and certainly Zika plus Mamar 
And you're going to claim that made a gzera in such a case that you have to do yibum on one and chalitza on the other, so people will not think that when you have two yivamot coming from two different houses, that all he has to do is yibum on one and the other one goes free, because this looks like two different houses. If you think that's what Rabbi Shimon is saying, uh, but we know that Rabbi Shimon's reason here is not about zika, it's about ma'amar. Meaning, it's the fact that brother number two did ma'amar, that's what confuses the issue. Right? How do I know? The Tanya, we have a, a brighter that fills in the gap on this machloka. Rabbi Shimon said to the Chachamim, here Rabbi Shimon says, I'll tell you why you have to do Yibum on one and on the other. Because if the Yibum of of the second guy is really a ma'amar, the ma'amar of the first second guy is a ma'amar, so that Eishat Shenyu boel. And that means that when he does Yibum on wife number one, He's been, he's uh, doing yibum on on the wife of the second guy. The ima amarosha sheni no mamar, and if his mamar is really not significant, then eshem yishon goel. Then meaning he's trying to argue with chachamim why yibum should be available in either case. Wife number two should be easy to do. Why can he? Why may he do yibum with wife number one? Because we want shach. Either mamar is meaningful, in which case he's being miyabe brother number two's wife. Or Mamar is not meaningful, in which case he's being Miyabim, brother number one's wife. That's fine. Right? Which means that Rabbi Shimon says the entire thing that clouds the issue is Mamar. Right? Amar, so good. So now we know that Rabbi Shimon's issue here is Mamar, and Mamar is what creates the possibility that Zika is So certainly he's not going to say that Zika alone is for sure that uh, creates Knusa. Good. Abayah says, time out. That's not a good challenge. Because after all, Rabbi Shimon would certainly distinguish between Zika, and we saw talk about this in the last podcast, Zika when there's only one Yavam, which means there's nobody else to go to. And Zika when there's two Yavamim, which where it could be going to this one, it could be going to that one. Right? Now, so maybe Rabbi Shimon only said Zika is Kiknusa when there's only one Yavam there. Now, remember, in our case that we're dealing with now, when wife number one, brother number one died, she fell to brothers number two and three, and therefore when brother number two only did Ma'amar and then he died, the question is whether there was any sort of strong Zika there that plus Ma'amar would create Kiknusa. So therefore you'd have a Safek. As opposed to our case, that Ishrachim Shalayav Alamo, where there's only one living brother at the time brother number one dies, and that's brother number two. In which case, maybe Rabbi Shimon would say, there's full Zika as Kiknusa. Good. Since when does Rabbi Shimon, however, distinguish between Zika of one Yavam and Zika multiple Yavamim? How Rabbi Shimon said, Klal, I'm Rabbi Shimon. He said a hard and fast rule. Any time that the birth comes before the marriage, meaning the birth of the new kid, the Ishtachim Shlaim Alamov, happens before the living brother is Miyapen, then Nisuin, Bochot Zalatzen Velomit Yabemet. She's totally positive. Nisuin Kormin Oleda, Ocholetz Omit Yabemet. But if, on the other hand, the Nisuin happened before the birth, then she does, um, she does Chalitza or Yibo. And he said it as a hard and fast rule, and he didn't distinguish between there being multiple live brothers at the time of the first brother's death, or only one. 
Aren't we talking about a case even if there's only one live Yavam at the time the brother, the original brother died? And and he says still she has no chalitza, which means he doesn't even accept Zika as being significant when there's only one brother. Maybe he's talking about Shneivam. You're right. If there's only one, if there's only uh, one Yavam, then indeed he has a choice of chalitza or Yibum because there's only one Yavam, there is full Zika, and she, the minute she falls to him, she's fully married, as it were. So if that's the case, then when Rabbi Shimon said, here's my rule, anytime Nisuin comes first, you could do Chalitz or Yibum, he should have done it and said, that's only if there's two Yavamim. Right? He should have said, this is only true if there's Shnei Yavamim, but if there's only one Yavam, then he could certainly do Chalitza or Yibum, because there was a full Zika. Good. Um, the answer is, Kula Kamari. The answer is, that this entire context there was talking about Shnei Yavamim, because after all, the Machloket was about three brothers, and one died, and then, and then uh, the question is, with the Zika to number two, but there was a number three there, which means the entire case was talking about two Yavamim around, so he doesn't have to make that distinction. Ve'alamai, Klala, yeah, but we have a problem, then why did Rabbi Shimon say Klawamar, right? He said that's the general rule, which seems to say that it includes every possible case, whether it is Yavam Echad So that means Rabbi Shimon says even if there's only one Yavam, if the new brother was born before the living brother did Yibum, then uh, there's no Eshtachim, there's no Yibum uh, after the second brother died. Right? The odd, we have another challenge. Metiv Rav, uh, Rav Oshaya. Gimel Achim, they have three brothers. Shnayim mehem nesuin shteachayot. Brothers one and two are married to sisters one and two. O isha uvita, or perhaps uh, brother number one is married to a woman, and brother number two is married to her daughter. O isha uvat or the granddaughter. O isha uvat another granddaughter. Hare elu cholzot v'lomit yamot. So that both men die, and so these two women now fall to a third brother, have chalitza no yibo. Why? Because each one is either Achot Zekukato, Bat Zekukato, Eim Zekukato, whatever. Rabbi Shimon Poter. Rabbi Shimon Poter, meaning there's no Chalitz at all. Now, if Rabbi Shimon really holds that Zika is like a full marriage, then that would mean the Yabim Likamaita, the first brother who died, the first brother died on a Tuesday, that, his, that that wife who fell was already married to brother number three, if you hold that he holds Zika Kiknusa, and then when brother number two dies, that woman should go totally free, right? And the brother and the first woman, whoever's husband died first, he should have full evil on it. You're right. When Rabbi Shimon said Poter, he didn't mean Poter all of them. He said Poter, the second one to come along. So if the if the woman uh, if a woman uh, falls to a guy and then a minute later her brother-in-law dies, who's married to her daughter, then uh, that daughter goes totally free, poter. We have a bright that says, Rabbi Shimon's poter, both of them. Right? So, Rava said, you know what shtehen means? Shtehen doesn't mean uh, both the mother and the daughter. It means that there's four women here. And he says the second one of this group and the second one of that group. Right? That, that's what it means. That she is patur. The katoi rabba barba zuge. Um, the chara de o oktani. 
And, but Rava, the Gemara says, was, was mistaken about this, about the Arba Zugot in the, uh, in, in the later Mishnah that we have. Right? First of all, because it says O and O. It's, it, it doesn't say, in other words, our case was not Shtayachayot and Isha Ubita, that there were four couples, and there were two sisters, and there was a mother and a, and a daughter. So Rava says, you know why it says Potevishtayam? Potevishtayam means the second one to come along in each set. So you have two sisters, and then independently a mother and a daughter who aren't related to each other, who aren't related to the sisters, and the four brothers are married to those four girls. That's what Rava thinks happened. And therefore, when the Brita said that Rabbi Shimon's pote, both of them, what he meant both of them was uh, the, the second sister and then the mother or the daughter, whichever one, one it is. But Rava was wrong about that. Why? Because it says, oh, oh, Tani. It doesn't say a two sisters and a mother and a daughter. It says two sisters or a mother and a daughter or a mother and a granddaughter, etc. It's giving different options. And if that's the case, it should have said, Rabbi Shimon's poter, all four of them. And Rabbi Shimon explicitly says, talking about the two sisters, that they're both poter. Why? Because you cannot take a woman to tie her to her sister. And the minute the two of them become tied together, you can't marry either one of them. And so these two, he's poter, both of them. So that's the question. How can you claim that Rabbi Shimon says Yesh Zika and Zika is Kiknusa because whichever husband died first, that wife should be already quasi-married to the living brother and the other one should be totally free instead of Rabbi Shimon saying that they're both Pater. So Elam Ravashi Ravashi says, you know what? If one brother died before the other, you're right. And the earlier brother to die, his wife has full Yibum and the other one goes free. What happened is they both died the same minute, right? which means the, the girls fell at the same time. It's a machloket, and other places, but whether Efshalat Samsem, can two things happen in a halachic abstract world simultaneously? And Rishigli says yes, and Rishimon was told like that, therefore Rishimon can envision a scenario where both brothers are considered to have died simultaneously, and therefore the wives fell together. And if they are sister and sister, or mother and daughter, whatever, to each other, then, indeed, the Zika kind of collides with itself and passes both. Now, that's all Rav Shaya. And Rav Shaya claimed that Rav Shimon held that it does not matter whether the newborn child is born before or after the Yibum. In any case, the minute that the, uh, that the first brother dies, the wife is already quasi-married to the second brother, and even if there's multiple Yivamim, she has a quasi-marital relationship with each one of them, and simply Yibum was an act of Brera, clarifying which one she has a connection with. And therefore, if the brother is the new brother is born after the first brother died, it's not Eshtachim Shalav because now his relationship is only with this, the, this woman as a wife of a second brother. Um, and she's not at all connected in Rabbi Shimon's world to the first brother. That's Rabbi Yoshaya. And Rabbi Shimon never said anything like that. Rabbi Shimon only disagreed about the second case which is when Brother 2 did full Yibum, and then Brother 3 was born into a world in which he only knows this woman as the wife of Brother Number 2. Good, that's Rav Oshai. Now, Rav Papa. Rav Papa Mar B'Yibim V'chakach Nolad Palig Rav Shimon B'Nolad V'chakach Yibim Lo Palig. Papa takes the position that we are going to end up favoring, uh, and that we already took in the previous sukkah, which is that 
Rabbi Shimon only disagrees about the second case and not about the first case. And he explains Rabbi Shai's claim that why do I think Rabbi Shimon disagreed in both? Because the Rabbonin's statement is unnecessary. And therefore, the second Mishnah must have been taught to show us how far the Rabbanon will go, and therefore, the first is to show us how far Rabbi Shimon will go. He, he says differently. He said both cases are necessary, and our Mishnah is simply saying it's the Chiddush is in the first Mishnah, and certainly our case um, uh, is, is true that the Rabbanon, uh, sorry, even, and even in this case, the Rabbanon would say that there is no evil. Now, uh, this language should already tell us where the Gemara is leaning. We have a Brighton that supports Rav Papa and, and defeats Rav Shaya's position. So you've got two brothers coexisting, one of them dies childless. We're going to look later at that language. So the second guy got up in order to do Ma'amar and he did not finish, he did not have a chance to do Ma'amar. Uh, in the meantime, a brother was born, Umate, and then he, brother two died. Alright, so the first wife, brother, wife of brother number one, now has only one brother-in-law left in the world who was not alive when her husband was alive. She goes free. And the second one is Chalitzer Yibum with his new brother. Let's say brother number two did Ma'amar and wife number one. If he actually did ma'amar, whether before or after the guy was born, in that case, first wife would be the same thing. The second wife has chalitza and not ibum. That's chachamit. So he says that ibum or chalitza with either one of them is good enough to exempt the tzara, right? Now, we have to keep going. Chalatz the ba'alat ma'amar lo niftarat tzara. If the brother three gave chalitza to wife number one who had had ma'amar, then lo niftarat tzara. Wife number two is not exempt. Kinsa umeit, v'chakach nolad lo'ach. Let's say the brother two married uh, wife one, and then he died, and then a new brother was born, or that he had the brother born and then he did Yibum and died. That should be straightforward because the Let's say, on the other hand, brother two married wife one and then he had a brother born. Mayor says they're both Pater. Mayor, the standard position of Eshtachishulamol. Alright, Rabbi Shimon then says, in the case where brother two married wife one, and then a brother was born, and then brother two died, in that case, unlike Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Shimon says, he can have Yibum with either one, or Chalitza with either one, because when he was born, she was already married to brother two, and there is no eshtachit shleibalam. That's the bright time. Now, um, the safe for the man tanila. Why was this last case taught? Even the mayor of tanila, you think it's for a mayor? Being does not distinguish between 
if brother number two did Yibum and then brother three was born, or vice versa in the order, then, then, then the last case should have been taught as one blank, meaning whether it was born first or born second. And one big mix. It must be Rabbi Shimon. So we see that he only disagrees about the case where, and this bright does clearly reflecting Rabbi Shimon's opinion, except for the parts that say explicitly Rameir. And in this case, he distinguishes between Nolad v'chakach yibem, in which case she's potter, or yibem v'chakach nolad, in which case there is still yibum around. Good. Um, Amar Now let's go back and take a look at this bright. Amar Ashini Lasot Mamar Bivimto Velohi Speak Lasot Mamar Bivimto. This is a side issue, but a very critical side issue on the notion of on the issue of Mamar. The Brita said, if the second guy got up to do Ma'amar, but didn't, didn't finish it, didn't get around to it. Okay, that's the rest of the Brita. Now, speak. what does it mean he stood up to do it, but he didn't finish it? He didn't get around to do it. What kind of thing is that? Either you did Ma'amar, you didn't. Just say, What do you mean he got up to do it? He didn't have a chance to do it. Why do we care about well, what's the wording? El Ahmad means midata. For I speak midata el bal korcha, meaning that he got up to do ma'amar, meaning he hoped to do ma'amar with her agreement. In the end, he didn't have a chance to get her agreement to it, but he gave her the money and he died. But he gave it to a bal korcha. Rebbe, and this disagrees with Rebbe. Rebbe says. If you do ma'amar without her expl- express agreement, it is valid. Chachamim say it's invalid. So therefore, our Brayta is ruling like Chachamim. And therefore, it's saying, he stood up to do ma'amar, meaning he wanted to do it midata, but he didn't have a chance to do it, meaning all he got to do was handle the money, but not get her agreement. And then he died, which means that there was no ma'amar, because it's like Chachamim. Now, parenthetically, my time at the Rebbe, why does Rebbe say you need her agreement, and I don't need her agreement, because just like Bia Vayivama, Bia Vayivama can happen against her will. What Rabbi says is that when Chachamim formulated the Kiddushin of Yibum, they formulated it following the guidelines of Yibum Daraita, which is Bal Korcha. Rabbanan say no, when the Rabbanan formulated Kiddushin for Yivama, they borrowed it from Kiddushin Daraita. As we all know, Kiddushin must be done, Midata Ishar, Midata Via. Right now, but my community, what's their disagreement about? For Rebbe says it makes sense when the rabbis established a new rule about Yibum to borrow from the old rules of Yibum. For the Rabbanan say no. It makes sense that when the Rabbanan established a new form of Kiddushin, they had borrowed from an, other, an old form of Kiddushin. Okay, good. Now, back in our case. So if number two did ma'amar before or after brother three was born, umayt, and brother two died, right, so he said that the that the uh, first wife is an erva to brother number three, and the second wife is choletzit v'lomit yabemet. Good. He, Rabbi Shimon then says this bizarre thing. We saw it already, but we didn't analyze it. He says that the bia or the chalitza of one of them patters the other one. Mishimon Haikai, what's he talking, what case is he referring to? 
talking about a case where brother three was born and then brother two did mamar. We just got through saying that Shimon does not disagree in a case where brother three was born before brother two did anything, right? It must be the other case where brother two did ma'amar and then brother three was born and then brother two dies. Good. Now that's how it works out. Chalatz the balat ma'amar if brother three gives chalitza to wife one who had ma'amar lo nifterat zara. That brother, then wife two, is not potter. Why? My tamishum dahamit zara vaday uvalat ma'amar safek. After all, uh, the wife number two is certainly zukukana brother three, but wife number one maybe and maybe not. So her so doing chalitza on wife one is not going to potter wife two. And safek motzimi dey vaday. Good. Now Yatim of Menashe bar Zvid Komeder of Huna Yatim v'Kamer My Tamid Rabbi Shimon. He went and asked, "What What is Rabbi Shimon's reason for distinguishing between Yibem Mechakach Nolad, etc.?" My Tamid of Shimon, can I mark time? Rabbi Shimon said, Rabbi Shimon explicitly said, "You know why I believe that if she's born, that it, uh, he's born uh, after uh, brother number two did Yibum, that she's not called the Shalom Alamo." Because when he was born, she was already Beheter. He never had a relationship with her of Yisur. And the question is, why do the Rabbanon disagree? Because the Pasuk says, uh, in, in our first Pasuk, uh, which is the uh, first Pasuk on the page, but the beginning of the uh, Parsha of Yibum, that he shall take her for wife and miyabim her. Meaning, Meaning, she still has the yibum of the first husband. In other words, the, the essential machloket is, Chachamim maintain that even when a wife has yibum, she's still quasi-married to her first husband. And Rabbi Shimon says, no, the yibum totally uproots the first relationship. And that's how they learn it from the meaning he's miyabim her, meaning she's still considered a yivama. Right? We have that brighter that says, the Mishnah that says, that once the guy, the man is miyabim, the woman, she's 100% his wife, and if he wants to get rid of her, it's not through chalitza, but through a get. Right? Why don't you say the same thing, which is, she's still quasi-married to her first husband, which means your yibum has not blotted that out, and therefore, if you want to get rid of her, it's not a get, but it should be chalitza. The answer is Shani Hatam the Makram Lokachaloli Isha. Look at that same Pasuk without the word Vibma, he takes her for a wife, meaning once he takes her, she's hundred percent of a wife. So Yachanami. So why don't you say the same thing in our case of Eshtachiv Shalabalamo? Why don't Chacham say that once the second guy does Yibum, we don't think about the first guy anymore, and when brother number three is born, we don't we don't go back to Eshtachiv Shalabalamo. Why do we do that? Right? The answer is, go back to Vibma, which means we're being selective. When it comes to a situation where a regular woman has Yibu, uh, we say she is now a full wife with all the rights, responsibilities, and consequences of being a wife and not a Yibama. But when we said in the context of we said that actually. Um, she still is sort of a Yivama even after the Yibum. So why are you doing that? It makes sense that if the Pasuk is equivocal and indicates that she's sort of still part of the first husband and sort of not, that we're going to put the sort of yes on, which is, which is going to confine her 
and apply that to an, a situation of Isra like and take the one that seems to liberate her, makes her for a regular wife, and attach that to a case which is just a normal case where a man marries Yivamah, and there is no other brother, nobody else dies, etc. Good. Now, we'll go. So, according to Rabbi Shimon, this is the last piece we want to see. According to Rabbi Shimon, who says, the reasoning is, and he said this explicitly, it's not our conjecture, he said that the reasoning that um, uh, there is Yibum is because when he was born, he found a bat there. So, his maternal sister marries his paternal brother. Perfectly legit. And then another paternal brother is born. And then his paternal brother dies. So according to that, they should be happy. Because after all, when Brother 3 was born, his introduction to this girl was not as a uh, as a uh, a sister or whatever, but rather as a shirach, right? That was his introduction to her, right? Um, the answer is no. No, because she still is achoto, and where would that isser have uh, flown flown off to, right? It doesn't uh, doesn't just disappear. Um, In other words, what we're playing with here is that Rabbi Shimon said the reason that it works is because when he was born, he, he found her in a situation that is fully liberated by, by Mitzvah Yibam, which is she's married to his brother. And so we say the same thing. Okay, good. Let's say that a man is born into a situation where his sister is already married to his brother. And... Um, and uh, so that she's in a situation of Eshadach. When she dies, maybe you should do evil on her, which, of course, is preposterous, because she is your sister. Right? The answer is, the Isra of Achotol can't just flip away. So why did you say the same thing about this newborn child? Where did the Isra of Eshadach go to? The answer is, The answer is, the Isra of Achotol has no heter. The Isra of Eshadach has a heter, and that's in the case of evil. Therefore, we say in the case of Eshet Ach, we could say that when she then marries the second brother and then the, the newborn brother is born, then the Isra of Eshet Ach has poofed away, uh, just like uh, just like the normal Isra of Eshet Ach poofs away when there's circumstances of Yibum. But if the girl was also his sister, it doesn't matter that his first relationship, first association with her, or relationship, if you will, was one of Eshet Ach, the fact that she still is Achoto, and that cannot disappear uh, in any case, uh, ever. So, Mir Tashem, we uh, will continue after Yom Tov uh, on Davchaf and make our way to further on in the Perak. Uh, and Mir Tashem, for Shabbat, get to Davchaf Bet. Everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful Yom Tov, Chag Kabbalat HaTorah.